This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen, wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiyyin rahmati wal huda muhammadin al-ameen, wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa tabi'ina wa man tabi'ahum bi ihsanin ila yawmiddini wa ba'd. We praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we send blessings and salutations upon Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, all his companions, may Allah bless them, may Allah bless his entire household and may he bless every single one of us. My brothers and sisters, this evening insha'Allah, we will be firstly commencing with the life of one of the companions of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam who was born blind. And his mother had kept him away because he was blind. So she became known as Umm Maktoum, although that was not her name. Her name was Atikah binti Abdullah. And this Sahabi, his name was Abdullah. So as time passed, he became known as Abdullah ibn Ummi Maktoum radiyallahu an. He was a great man. He was related to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam through his wife Khadija binti Khawailid radiyallahu anha. He was actually the first cousin of Khadija binti Khawailid radiyallahu anha. So Abdullah ibn Ummi Maktoum being a blind man, it did not deter him from accepting Islam. In the early stages when he heard about Islam, and he was a person who was very, very convinced that what Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam had brought was a gift of Allah for Quraysh, for mankind at large, and for all creation. He used to go often to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and ask him, O Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam, read for me some of the revelation that has come to you. So it is reported that. Quraysh harmed him a lot and they had persecuted him so much just like they persecuted the others from amongst the believers. And one day, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam was with some of the elders of Quraysh who were non-Muslim. Al-Walid ibn al-Mughira, who's the father of Khalid ibn al-Walid radiallahu an. Al-Walid ibn al-Mughira, he was one of the leaders of Quraysh. He was speaking to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and so was Umayyah ibn Khalaf and Abu Jahl and a few others. And they were extremely uh, delighted to be speaking to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam because they did not want to accept, but they wanted to argue and debate. So what happened is something strange. As they are talking to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, Abdullah ibn Umm Maktoum radiallahu anhu, who was already a believer, had come to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and he was blind, remember. And he says, Oh Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, read for me some of what Allah has revealed to you. So Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam looked at him and turned away back to speak to those who were the leaders of Quraysh, hoping that perhaps I'm about to answer some of their questions. If I do, maybe they might accept the message because he wanted desperately for them to accept this message of Islam. So as Abdullah ibn Umm Maktoum radiallahu anhu finished his statement and Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam turned away from him, a little while later, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the opening verses of Surah Abbas. And if we look at the meanings of Surah Abbas wa Tawalla, we will find that it is connected to what happened with Abdullah ibn Umm Maktoum radiallahu anhu. So the verses were revealed. Abbas wa Tawalla. 
Powerful verses saying, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam frowned and turned away because the blind man had come to him. And how do you know perhaps he would have been purified? Or had he been reminded or if the reminder was given, he would have been from those who benefited from the reminder. And as for the one who believes he was independent, referring here to Al-Walid ibn al-Mughira and the others, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, you gave them importance yet, had they not accepted the message, it was not going to harm you, it was them who were going to be harmed, and so on. Then Allah says, this is indeed a lesson for those who want to take heed. It is a reminder for those who want to be reminded. So why did these verses come down? It's a question. Number one, we believe Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was perfect. He was the best of creation, the highest of all prophets. He did not need correction. He did not make blunders or errors. It was Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who allowed this to happen in order for us to draw a lesson that no matter how perfect you may think you are, if you want to follow the example of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you must know how to accept correction and admonition. This is clear and this is the belief of Ahlu Sunnah wal Jama'ah. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless us and to grant us ease. So never ever think for a moment that this was dropping the level of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. No, it wasn't. But it was an admonition or a reminder to him to say, don't turn away because he's a blind man. This blind man is far better than the others who have come to you, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This shows us that the companions of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam are far higher than the others. And they were to be given importance. And this is the reason why we say, when we say the name of any one of the companions of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to give Abdullah ibn Ummi Maktoum a lot of importance after that. And he says, you are the one whom Allah has admonished me regarding. Amazing. And this was a blind man. And he was a relative of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So when we hear the opening verses of Abasa wa Tawalla, we should know that they were connected to this blind sahabi, May Allah's peace and blessings be upon him and upon all of us. It is reported that he was after Mus'ab ibn Umair, the next person to make hijrah to Medina Munawwara. And some have said that the two of them were together in Medina Munawwara. He was from amongst the first who had made hijrah. And he used to recite the Quran also for the people of Medina Munawwara. They used to ask him about revelation. He was a mu'addin of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam together with Bilal ibn Rabah. Please remember this. He was a blind man, Abdullah ibn Ummi Maktoum radiyallahu anhu. He was also a mu'addin just like Bilal ibn Rabah radiyallahu anhu was a mu'addin. So one used to call the adhan, 
the other used to call the iqama. One used to call the iqama and the other used to do the adhan. They used to rotate. And in Ramadan, it is known that Bilal ibn Rabah's adhan, radiyallahu an, used to wake the people up for suhoor at the earliest time of the hajjud. And when Abdullah ibn Umm Maktoum used to call the adhan of fajr, that is when Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, now you stop eating, subhanallah. So he was the one who used to call out the adhan, which would instruct the Muslimin that the time of Fajr has come, come in. And this was Abdullah ibn Umm Maktoum, well-known hadith, well-known mu'addin of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And as, as even though he was blind, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam made him a person who had to, who was in charge of Medina Munawwara, when Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam went out with most of his companions at the time of the victory of Mecca to Mecca. So who was in charge of Medina when they went out for Fath Mecca or the victory of Mecca? It was Abdullah ibn Umm Maktoum radiallahu anhu, even though he was blind. And he was a man whom, when the verses of jihad had come down, he was very sad. So sad that he felt that, you know what, I cannot participate in the struggle against those who usurped my wealth as well because I am blind. You see, those who had taken our wealth and they took our property and so on, the struggle had commenced against them and verses were revealed. Verses were revealed saying, those who sit back and those who engage in the struggle are not equal. So Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa heard Abdullah ibn Umm Maktoum saying that, you know, I pray that Allah grants me an excuse. So when the verses were written by Zayd ibn Thabit, as he was writing the verses, an exception was revealed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What was that exception? The words, besides those with the valid excuse that was revealed. So if you read the verse today, it says, لا يستوي القاعدون من المؤمنين غير أولي الضرر والمجاهدون في سبيل الله. They are not equal. Those who remain behind and those who engage in the struggle, except those who have a valid excuse. Who was one of those who was meant by this verse? Abdullah ibn Umm Maktoum radiyallahu an, because he was blind. But at the time of Umar ibn al-Khattab radiyallahu anhu. When Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu called for the people to get up and rise and go to Qadisiyah, he was one of those who was in the forefront. He made sure they took him all the way to Qadisiyah to fight the Persians. And Sa'd ibn Abi Waqqas radiallahu anhu was the head of that army. And amazingly, Abdullah ibn Umm Maktoum, although he was blind, he told them, give me the flag of the Muslimin. I will hold it and ensure that it is held high. So he held the flag on the day of Qadisiyah. And he passed away in the same battle because they killed him. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us a lesson from the life of this great companion who passed away in the 14th year of Hijrah at the time of Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu. He was a great man. And there were some verses of the Quran which connect us with this great Sahabi. And it is good news to those who cannot see also to say that if such a man had achieved such high levels and ranks, then surely a person who has not had eyesight or who has lost his or her eyesight that, is, should, that should not be a deterrent from earning closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and from succeeding both in this world and the next. The next companion that we will be speaking about this evening is also another great hero related to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the brother of Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anh, known as Ja'far ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anh. 
This man was the son of Abu Talib. Abu Talib was the uncle of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam who looked after him after the grandfather had passed away. And as Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam grew older, Abu Talib had a son. This son was approximately 18 years younger than Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So at a certain time, Abu Talib went through some difficulties in his life, financial problems. So Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam went to the other uncle of his, Al-Abbas ibn Abdul Muttalib, and told him, Oh Al-Abbas, you are the uncle of mine, the brother of Abu Talib. You see your brother is going through difficulty. Why don't we take their sons? At least I look after one, you look after one, so that it can become lighter on him as it is. He's been looking after us for quite a while. So subhanallah, something unique happened. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam took Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu an, and Al-Abbas ibn Abdul Muttalib took Ja'far ibn Abi Talib radiallahu an, and looked after him until the time came when he was from amongst the first who accepted Islam. It is reported that he accepted Islam with his wife, Asma binti Umais radiallahu anha. Remember that name. She was a great companion of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Asma binti Umais radiallahu anha. They accepted Islam together. And Quraysh began to harm them. And Al-Abbas ibn Abdul Muttalib was one of the five who looked similar to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. His features were the most similar. So much so that some people used to mistaken them at one stage. So who were the other four? Question, isn't it? The other four, if we take a look at those who had features similar to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, one was Al-Hasan ibn Ali radiallahu anhu. He looked similar to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The second one, Ja'far ibn Abi Talib, the one we are speaking about radiallahu anhu. The third one, As-Sa'ib ibn Ubaid, who was the grandfather of Al-Shafi'i rahmatullahi alayhi, the Imam Al-Shafi'i. His name was As-Sa'ib ibn Ubaid. And the other one was also a cousin of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Quthum ibn Al-Abbas ibn Abdul Muttalib. And Abu Sufyan ibn al-Harith ibn Abdul Muttalib, also another cousin of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So these were more or less relatives, most of them. And they looked similar. They had a few features similar to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The most striking resemblance was Ja'far ibn Abi Talib radiallahu an. And he was such a great man. He was also persecuted in Mecca very, very seriously and severely. So much so that he was one of those who left for Africa amongst the people who were allowed to migrate to Habasha. Habasha meaning Abyssinia, which was in Africa. And he arrived with his wife and a group of people in Africa, and they say we tasted the most beautiful of times. For 10 years, they stayed in Africa. How long? 10 whole years. They shifted to Africa because they could not worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Mecca freely. And when they went to Africa... He says, and his wife, radiallahu anha, Asma bint Umais, she says that after a few days, Quraysh heard that we are gone to Mecca, so they sent Amr ibn al-As and Abdullah ibn Abi Rabi'ah to us, in, order, in fact to Najashi, the Negus, who was the ruler in Africa at the time in, in the Abyssinian region, and they wanted to bribe him and tell him, send these people back. So what happened? I need to mention this because Ja'far ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu was the head of those people and their spokesman. So Amr ibn al-As, that time he was not a Sahabi or he was not a Muslim. He became a Muslim later on radiallahu anhu. But at that time he went to Al-Najashi and he met some of Najashi's cronies, you know, the, the leaders. And he gave them a few gifts. And he told them, you know, we, we are here to get back our people who have come. They need to answer for some 
crimes that they have committed back in Mecca and they have left the, the religion of our forefathers. So tomorrow we will be speaking to the Negus and Najashi. We want you to support our plea. And here are gifts that we've brought for you. So literally bribing them. They said, okay, we will support the plea. So the following day they went up or Jafar ibn Abi Talib radiallahu an, uh, he was from amongst those who were in the Muslim camp. But when they were called to Najashi because Amr ibn al-As had gone forth and spoken to Najashi and he said, we have a group of people who have reneged from our religion. They have turned away from Mecca. They have come here and we need them back. And they are saying some very bad words about us and our forefathers and the religion that we follow. So we want you to send them back. So and Najashi looked at his, you know, his ministers or his leaders, so to speak. And they said, yes, these people are right. We have found out that they are correct. And we want you to send them, these people back with them and let their people decide what to do with them. And Najashi got very angry. He says, I will never do that. I am taught to listen to both sides of a story before making my mind up, before ruling and judging. So call them. And this is when Amr ibn al-As radiallahu anhu, at the time he was not a Muslim, but he was very angry, very upset, because he knew that now there's a problem. But I want to stop here to draw a lesson for us all. A lot of us are guilty of passing judgment without listening to the other side of a tale or a story. We hear rumor and we pass judgment. We never give the other man a chance. What is your side of the story? We never think. Sometimes we don't even look into the evidence of those who are accusing. We just hear the accusation and the next thing we are spreading it. And we are from amongst those who are messing our mouths and our whole system with rumor and accusation against other people. May Allah grant us strength and make us learn from this man who was a Christian, a Najashi, and look at what he did. So he calls Ja'far ibn Abi Talib and the others, and they had decided that, look, there's Amr ibn al-As and Abdullah ibn Abi Rabi'ah, these guys are here. We want one spokesman from amongst us. Who's going to talk? It will be Ja'far, nobody else. So a Najashi asked them, look at what your people are saying. What do you have to say? This is when Ja'far ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu got up and made the statement and gave the speech that was recorded in history. One of the most eloquent speeches. He was a powerful spokesman. He says, oh Najashi, we were people who were lost. We used to worship stones and sticks and idols. We used to bury our daughters alive. We had so many bad habits. We used to destroy family relations. We used to fight and kill each other. We used to eat the dead animals. We engaged in so much of sin and immorality. We used to do so much in terms of sin. And then Allah blessed us by sending us a man from amongst us. We know his lineage. We know his family. We know he's truthful. We know he's honest. And he came to teach us goodness. He told us that your relatives should be looked after. He told us not to destroy relations, to look after our neighbors. He taught us to worship Allah alone and to leave the idols and so on. And he brought us goodness and we accepted him. So our people harmed us and our people began to persecute us and they wanted us to go back to worshiping stones and go back to our bad ways and so on. So An-Najashi heard the statement and then said, you are saying revelation comes to this man. I want you to read some of the revelation. Let me hear what was revealed. So Jafar ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu decided to read the opening verses of Surah Maryam. Kaf haya sad Dhikru rahmati rabbika abdahu zakariya Ith nada rabbahu nidaan khafiya Qala rabbi inni wahana al-azmu minni 
واشتعل الرأس شيبا ولم أكن بدعائك رب شقيا Beautiful verses explaining that Zakaria alayhi salam made a dua to Allah to grant him Yahya, to grant him offspring, and he did not lose hope in the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Najashi began to cry. And his tears made his laps wet. And he said, Wallahi, what these people have just read, this that you are saying, and what I know about Jesus has come from exactly the same source and the same niche. It is so powerful. And he began to cry. And these tears are mentioned in the Quran. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. This was a Najashi. A man who was still a Christian at the time. And amazingly, Amr ibn al-As looking at him and thinking, Hey, we came for something. We bribed the men. We gave gifts to a Najashi. And listen to what he's doing. He's agreeing with what this man has come with. And so after a few moments... And Najashi says, you will stay in my land for as long as you want and you, you can actually leave. So these people went and they had not yet gone back, but they decided to use another plan. What was the plan? They said, tomorrow we're going to come back to An Najashi and we will tell him that these people insult Jesus, may peace be upon him. They say something dangerous regarding Jesus, that he was only a messenger. They don't say he was the son of God and they don't even say so many other things. So they said, now we will fix the Muslimin up and we will make sure they come back. So the following day, they went back to Najashi. And Najashi says, what do you want? He says, call the Muslimin. Listen to what they have to say about Jesus. And Najashi called them. And he asked them, what do you have to say about Jesus? So Ja'far ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu says, Jesus is the son of Maryam, Mary the virgin, who was innocent, whom Allah had blown in the soul to. And she gave birth. He is not the son of God. He is the messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he came to teach us goodness and so on. And we believe this about Jesus and that about Jesus. And he explained completely that the Muslimin have to respect Jesus. May peace be upon him. They have to adopt him as a messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if they would like to be called Muslimin. And you and I know that we do not believe that Jesus died for sins of people, but we believe Allah is so merciful that there was no need for anyone to die for anyone else's sins. We believe Allah is so merciful that if you and I repent, we are forgiven here and now. May Allah grant us forgiveness. So Islam is definitely based on mercy. But that mercy is directly connected to Allah, your maker, and not through a messenger or another individual. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy on us all. Ameen. So when Ja'far ibn Abi Talib explained, and Najashi again, he said, Wallahi, that is exactly what Jesus taught. I know that what you are saying is absolutely correct. And so he sent these men away. They, and he said, give them back their gifts. So the bribes were gone back, subhanallah. This was Ja'far ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu. What a powerful man. He came back at the time when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was coming back, back from Khaybar. And Khaybar, they were victorious in Khaybar. So Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was so happy seeing Ja'far ibn Abi Talib, his own cousin, the brother of Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhuma. And so what happened is, he says, we are so delighted this happiness is connected to Khaybar or is it connected to the fact that Ja'far ibn Abi Talib has returned from Habasha after 10 years? 
Amazing. So they were delighted for the two reasons. And this man, thereafter, he loved the poor people in Medina Munawwara. He used to look after them. He used to feed them so much so that he was known as Abul Masakin at one stage. And then he passed away in the battle of Mu'ta, which took place in the northern part of the Arabian Peninsula. And he was martyred where we would call it Jordan today. And his grave is still in Jordan. What happened is the Prophet ﷺ prepared a huge army to go up and face the Romans. And from amongst them, uh, Zayd ibn Haritha was the leader. And Muhammad ﷺ said, if he is martyred, then Ja'far ibn Abi Talib anhu will take over. And if he is martyred, then Abdullah ibn Rawaha anhu will take over. And if he is martyred, then anyone else from amongst the Muslims whom they choose will take over. And the fact that he said this, already they knew that one after the other, these are going to be martyred. Subhanallah. And true to the word, prediction of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa it was a miracle. Whilst Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa was sitting in Medina Munawwara, Allah gave him that knowledge of the unseen where he was able to relate to the Muslims in Medina Munawwara exactly what was going on in Mu'tah. And he said, now this one has been martyred. Now the other has been martyred. Now the other has been martyred. And now the leadership has been taken by a sword from amongst the swords of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that was Khalid ibn al-Walid radiallahu anhu. So my brothers and sisters, Ja'far ibn Abi Talib, there is something very, very touching that happened to him. When he took the reins, they chopped his hand off. They chopped the other hand off. So when he was martyred, he did not have two hands. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, I see Ja'far in paradise with wings rather than hands flying around as he wishes. And this is why he was known as Ja'far al-Tayyar, radiallahu anhu, which means Ja'far, the one with wings who was flying around in paradise. Remember this, this was Ja'far ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu. What about his wife? His wife was preparing to meet him as they were going to return from the battle of Mu'tah. But Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam came to her home, Asma'a bint Umais radiallahu anha. And he was quite sad. So she looked at him and she asked a question. How are you, O Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa He says, I am fine. She said, I did not want to ask about Ja'far because I saw sadness in the face of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa And I did not want to be given bad news. So what happened is, I uh, continued to talk to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa asking about other things. But he asked me, where are the children of Ja'far? And when they came, I saw he was quite sad. He was playing with them. He kissed them. And then... He, I asked him, O oh messenger, why are you so sad? Why are you crying? Has something happened to my husband? And then he looks and he says, yes, he has been martyred in Mu'tah. He has been martyred in Mu'tah. And he was looking at the children of Ja'far ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu and praying for them. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted him, subhanallah, such blessed children that they lived for many years thereafter. And they were looked after by the Muslimin in a beautiful way. The children of Ja'far ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu. Something interesting also, this was only one year after he had returned from Habasha. So he only lived as a, a Sahabi in Medina Munawwara for a short period of time. And then he was martyred in Mu'tab. His wife Asma'a binti Umais was married later on to Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu anhu. And when Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu anhu passed away and they had children from uh, her as well, he had children from her as well. She then married Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu, who was the brother of Ja'far ibn Abi Talib. And she was married to him, subhanallah, until he was martyred as well. Subhanallah, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us goodness. Imagine I was sitting and thinking how the Sahaba looked after widows 
And in such a beautiful way, they married them. Today, if someone is divorced or widowed, people look at them as though they are a pain in society and community. Na'udhu billah. That is not the teaching of Islam. We should be keen and interested in getting them married and in assisting them in every single way for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. These are our sisters. Perhaps sometimes they have been overtaken by destiny or something that they had nothing to do with. And sometimes they are so innocent, even in terms of divorce. Perhaps they were beautiful people who did not get along with others who were perhaps as beautiful, but different in terms of temperament. May Allah make us from those who stand up for the Muslimin and the Muslimat. My brothers and sisters, these are the companions of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa These are the people whom we should learn from. They looked after each other. They reached out to each other. And they used to leave their homes in the night in Mecca to Al-Mukarramah to quietly go to the house of Al-Arqam ibn Abil Arqam in order to learn the deen. Today when we hear of our children leaving our houses at night, we are worried perhaps they might be going to the pubs and the clubs. And we are worried if the child comes back late at night and we don't see the child, that perhaps this child has turned to the devil. Because for us, when we don't see our children at night, we get worried. But look at those, the Sahaba radiallahu anhum. They were young, some, some in their teens and some in their twenties and some in their early 30s and so on. They used to leave their homes quietly, silently in a way that they tiptoed out and they rushed to the house of Al-Arqam ibn Abil Arqam and various other places at night and they returned before anyone would even feel and find out that they've come back in order to go and learn more about the deen, in order to get closeness to Allah and His Messenger. Where are we, my brothers and sisters? Where are our children? How much are we ready to sacrifice to learn the deen? It is good and easy to say, I'm a Muslim or that I've accepted Islam but there are persecutions that come in the direction of the new reverts who've turned to Islam. How much interest do we show in their lives? And how much do we embrace them? And how much do we accept them within our midst? There are some of us who look at reverts as though, what are these people doing here? May Allah protect us. Wallahi, if that is the, if that is the attitude we are going to have, we will lose my brothers and sisters. They will hold the deen stronger than we do. We need to embrace and we need to understand. Do your best for the deen. Learn it because today my brothers and sisters there are people who are hijacking this faith in order to preach intolerance and extremism in the name of Islam my brothers and sisters look at the lives of the companions learn from them and see that the elder scholars of Islam never ever supported misbehavior in the name of Islam may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala use us to spread goodness and peace and may he use us to sort matters out and not to create problems may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us all inshallah tomorrow we will go through some other lives of a few other companions of Allah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam we hope and pray that Allah grant us paradise and really we hope and pray that Allah grant us the meeting with the companions of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam until we meet again wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabina Muhammad subhanallah wa bihamdih subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika nashhadu an la ilaha illa ant nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk